One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Josh Brown, this is the wind up. I feel sick. How do you feel? <laughs> I don't know. The stomach's just feeling a bit queasy. If I was Simon Miller, I'd say there was a problem in my tum tum. Hey, the tum tum problems are serious business, Ugh. especially if you've not eaten today or you've not had your coffee. Or I, anything. I, I, I thought surely it's healthier to not have coffee first thing in the morning. I'll get some fruit. I'll get some water, and then you're like, now you get cough, caffeine withdrawals. I feel worse. Well, so, well, that's normally a headache thing. I don't yeah. know why you're feeling sick. Maybe it's, the it's head's just... not that good either, but it's definitely a stomach thing. It's <laughs> all just just well, winding down. Oh, this is such a shame because I was going to go into this podcast Please wishing do. you a happy penultimate birthday. Oh, thank you very much. You've always been happy penultimate birthday. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. You know. Happy penultimate birthday, Thank Scott you. Tilford. I'm leaving this sickness behind in the year 33. Year 34, I'll <laughs> be completely fine. Don't worry about it. So please, everyone, tomorrow, or even today, if you think you're going to forget, go wish Scott Tilford <laughs> a happy birthday. It's bloody... He's off work. He's yeah. having a nice time. Yeah. He's hopefully not going to have a bad tum-tum. Or he doesn't know head. what he's doing. His wife's planned a whole day for him, which is very, very nice, and I can't wait to get stuck into it. But I have no idea what I'm doing, other than my mum, later in the day, like the other day when I saw her, I was like, and I'll see you Tuesday night. And I was oh. like, will you? That sounds like a meal type thing, mother. That sounds so like I guess, a threat. I definitely, <laughs> so I know, it's, I know it's ending that way. Tell me, ideally, yeah. what is your perfect, like, birthday day? I'm a cheesy, cheesy, cheesy man because I only care about my wife, really. Love that. So I'll just I'll just have a day with my wife, to be honest. Like, I, don't really, I don't really care what we do. If we sort of, like, sit in a field yeah. and we eat some nice foods. A I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big picnic fan, so I'm like, if you give me some sort of, like, we go you know, do, like, a fancy shop. In the UK, it would be Waitrose or, like, M&S or something. Yeah. And get the, the fancy picnic stuff in and put that in a wicker basket and then go to a field oh, where man. you can't hear anything. And you've got one of those checkered um, picnic blankets and you just sort of sit there and eat, like, eat nice food. I, I feel like a class traitor sometimes <laughs> when I go to Waitrose at M&S, but sometimes <laughs> I like to give myself a little bit of a treat. It's got to be do done. exactly what you just said. They're not going to give it to you. Well, the thing is, right, it's well, going to be raining tomorrow. I know. So that kind of scuppers that plan. But well, uh, I, I th I'm hoping that it's indoor things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't I'm hate sure the rain as much as the average person. I'm fine with the rain. No, but I just hope you have a nice time. Thank you. Regardless. Yeah. Um, I'm playing the Final Fantasy 1, so I'll, if I need a default to that, is that 1987 right? is 2013 all over again. Were you playing Final Fantasy 12 the other day as well? I'm playing all of them. So I, yeah, I, uh, I started Final Fantasy 6. That overlapped with the start of Final Fantasy 16. I finished 6 while playing 16, and I started Final Fantasy 4, and then I finished Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Then I finished Final Fantasy 4, and I started Final Fantasy <laughs> One and then Final Fantasy One is overlap with starting Final Fantasy Twelve. Can I tell you? So what right now I've got one and twelve on the go. To me, the weekend yeah. because I had a horrible Final Fantasy jump scare. Ooh. You know, I'd finally finished Final Fantasy Six. Someone tried to hand you a copy of Ten. You said, "Oh, <laughs> get away from me." You were like playing 12, and I was like, no, please, God, no. Me at your window. Well, I'd finally finished 16, and I thought, yes, freedom. You know, I'm going to be able to do a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> watch a bunch of movies, play a bunch of games. Play Final so, Fantasy 9. sat down on Friday night yeah. to watch The Pope's Exorcist, starring, um, what's his face? Russell Crowe. Yes. As The Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> it was going well. Bad movie. Funny movie, though. Okay. A really good watch. And then I couldn't believe it, because obviously someone gets possessed during that film. Yes. And you know how in all the these Pope possession probably. movies, <laughs> I really thought they were going to do that, and they don't do right. that in 
annoyingly. Um, but in possession movies, uh, the voice is always different, right? Yeah. It's always a demonic voice. <laughs> and I hear this like thick sort of Yorkshire accent like right. come out of this young child. Is it Ralph Heinsohn? And I'm thinking. Man, that sounds like Ralph Einstein. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, it can't be him. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way they would have his voice coming out of this yeah. child. And He's it just kept in on everything. Going. It kept on going. I thought, I'm going to have to look this up. It was Ralph bloody Einstein. <laughs> it was only... Sidolphus. Sidolphus from Final Fantasy Sixteen. Yeah. Chris Finch from The Office. <laughs> and I just thought, this should have been my palate cleanser. Mm. And here I've got this guy's voice, who I love, by the way. Being reminded of the game of the year, yeah. In my ear for this entire time, reminded me of when I wasn't free and when I was um, <laughs> trapped within that game. I just thought that was a very funny coincidence. Yeah. He's everywhere at the moment. I just thought, whether you're playing Diablo, whether you're playing Final Fantasy 16, or whether you're watching The Pope's Exorcist, you can't escape Ralph Einstein. I want him to put an album out, like a Tom Waits style, <laughs> low low tenor album. I'd be, I'd be a huge fan of that. Um, yeah, that dude, Ralph Einstein, as much as or Einstein, as much as we keep referring to him as Finchy, I'm curious if he feels like he's finally outgrown that. I think uh, he was always Finchy to me in the office. I reckon to a lot of people, mm. rightly so, he'll be the dad from The Witch. You know, I feel like that kind oh, yeah. of broke him into a different market, obviously a beloved A24 film. Uh, and ever since then, he started to get those like period piece mm. um, roles where mm. he plays a bit of a wrongin, a bit of a gruff guy <laughs> in like the Middle Ages. He was really good as the Green Man in the movie The Green, no, The Green Knight. Yes, oh, oh Green Knight ruled. I love that thing. I love that movie. Sorry, I've got one more bit of um, admin, I guess Do I would it. say before admin. we jump into the podcast proper. Yes. A few weeks ago, when we did our um, best games of all time list, yes, I got a part message one part two. on tw- on Instagram. Um, from someone who said, and I'm so sorry because I don't have your handle. I just have a screenshot of the message. And okay. I, my, I can't go back through they Instagram. They know who they are. I, I know you know who you are. I'm just so sorry. I really tried to find your name, but there's no <laughs> um, internet in this podcast just room, God which is annoying. But anyway, the point is, they said, why hasn't the greatest game ever made, Mafia 2, been mentioned on the wind-up yet? So consider oh. me mentioning it now yeah. because Mafia 2 is great. Yeah. Unfortunately, the remaster sucked so much that it I is. kind of it almost retroactively ruined the love I had for that game. I but feel like overall you can't, you just can't recommend Mafia holistically. Like you want to and there's positives of all three of them. I think I had the most fun with Mafia 3 Ooh. and it's, that's not to say it's the best one. It clearly isn't and it very much bottoms out as the more you play because it, it only has one thing that it does over and over again. Yeah. And it's like Mafia 2 is clearly the best one but I think the immediacy of 3 is just so much better. So I I don't know. I know that I'm a wrong person for thinking that, but I just, I love the setting of Mafia 3, the music. I love playing as Lincoln Clay. Yeah. I love the beginning of that game so much. Like, it's, it's to me, that hooked me more than Mafia 1 and 2 did, but I you know, know that that's a criminal opinion. I don't think it is. I can see okay. why you've gone for that, because the mm. characters in that game are so good. The setting is a little bit different, maybe a little bit more interesting if mm-hmm. you don't like the classic, you know, 40s, 50s gangster vibe. Mm. And the gameplay is really solid. It's just a shame that it's so bloated. Mafia <laughs> 2 is my one true love. That was kind of the first Mafia game that I fell in love with. Mm. Um, I just kind of wanted to get the Mafia 1 definitive edition treatment. Yeah. Rather why than the, the hell is it not? We got. I have no idea why it hasn't got that. I think that game kind of holds, stands the test of time in a way because it got slagged off when it came out <laughs> uh, for not having any open world activities yes. or being a GTA clone. It wasn't Noir. It was, <laughs> you, oh, 
But the way it uses its open world, I thought was really good. Like yeah. it's not there to be fully explored or to do stunt ramps and stuff like that. It's there to add flavor. It's there to add a sense of place. Uh-huh. And I think the story in that game is really good. It's not top ten of all time for me. No, but same. It's, you know, maybe top one hundred. <laughs> the thing is, right? You talk about the open world crime genre and how GTA made it and then killed it off because it became so such a runaway thing that anyone else trying just got absolutely flattened by being anywhere in, you know in its vicinity. Same with Overwatch and Hero Shooters. Just couldn't get anything else off the ground because it was so like big. GTA 5 2013, whatever. Sleeping Dogs, Ooh, phenomenal. Yeah. 10 out of 10, perfect game. 10 out of 10. I love that game so much. Yeah. I've been through it, so I went through it again in the pandemic. I feel like I go through it every couple of years. I just sort of put it on and go through it again. I love, love, love that game, and it never gets its due. How about this? Go on. True Crime, He's Streets of LA. 10 out of 10 game. Uh, I wouldn't say so because I hate the bit when you go underground and you fight that weird demon man and the flying skulls. Not going to lie, never finished it. Fantastic. <laughs> but it, it's still a 10 it's, out of 10. No, it's not. That game absolutely shuts the bed and then looks at it for the rest of the game. It's bad. That whole weird demon thing. There's a stealth bit that makes no sense. There's, there's stuff in that game where they had no idea what they were doing anymore. I'm, re- I'm going to get you should go through this it. game. Yeah, yeah I kind of want to go back. And It'll scratch it. your what were they doing itch. I love those games. I don't know if you have any because I know you play everything. <laughs> You finished everything back yeah. in the day. But I have a bunch of games like that. And like one that I'm going to mention, funnily mm. enough, later on in this podcast. Okay. That are kind of unfinished business games where I mm. played them as a lot as, as a kid, mm. but never quite got to the end or maybe gave up halfway through. Or maybe it was just too hard for my yeah. young um, gamer <gasps> brain at the time. So I've got a few of those that I've always kind of wanted to revisit. And I'm always of... haunted by them. <laughs> I can't I can't let something go. Like at the, right now, and I guess that we might as well use this to transition into the what we're playing stuff, and then we'll get to some of the gaming news for the week. I didn't even say this is the wind-up. I'm Scott Taylor, that's Josh Brown. Good morning, Scott Taylor. To dive into whatever's happening in the gaming industry, which is to say very little at the minute, but every now and then there's stuff to talk about. But I'm playing Gravity Circuit right now, which is hands down the best 2D platformer of the year, and it is contested territory because there's also Bat Boy and there's also Moonrider, which are both phenomenal 2D platformers. They're all all like Mega Man, they're very, very similar. Gravity, Gravity Circuit is more about melee stuff. But anyway, Gravity Circuit is a phenomenal 2D melee-based platform that just plays like a dream. It's absolutely incredible. The music's absolutely phenomenal, genuinely. I love everything about it. I've done it in two sayings. Um, until I hit the final boss. Ooh. And uh, the second last boss is also... You did a little Christian Bale face there. Did I? The little, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Little, little face that he does. And uh, yeah, that second last boss, you have to fight six phases on one health bar. It's un, it's unholy. It's ungodly. It's horrible. This Got through amazing. that. And then the final boss is a two-phase boss, um, but you have to beat like one little dude and then one giant dude. And I just cannot for the life of me beat the giant dude. But there's no checkpoint. So I have to beat the little dude over and over and over again. And then I get to the last guy. But I would be haunted by that if I didn't keep plugging away until I beat it. So that's my overall point is I can't leave something like that in yeah. that moment because I would just know that I have to go back to the final boss months later and I can't do that. I couldn't do it if I was right at the very end like mm. that because you know this is going to be like almost as good as you'll ever be at the game. If yes. you return to that in a few months time and you've kind of forgotten the mechanics, jumping straight into a final boss, one that sounds as hard as this <laughs> does. Also, um, no. like in this game, I mentioned this before we were recording, there's a unique purgatorial hell to games where you can't leave and know you can re- and and, rest- and get your save back at that point. I have to redo the entire last level again just to fight that stupid boss again. So I'm just stuck at the checkpoint before the boss forever until I beat it. Like, it's horrible. I've been experiencing this a lot of the weekend, Scott, because I've Mm. been playing a bunch of PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 1 games. And man, we take so much for granted these days about, like, quick resume, you know, the ability to save whenever you want, checkpoints in general. Mm -hmm. The fact that if you die in a game that I've just played called Cold Fear, that I'll talk about 
soon. Um, if you die before you get to the first save point, you have to start the whole game again. <laughs> That's pain too, is it? Yeah, I remember how prevalent that was back in the day and how much those games just wasted your time. Oh, man. <laughs> There's so many games um, that, yeah, like whether it was for memory allocation problems or whatever it was that just, yeah, for whatever reason, wouldn't let you autosave. I remember when Splinter Cell Chaos Theory brought in QuickSave and how oh, massive yeah. a deal that was on consoles. It was always, always on PC, but then the fact that you could just hit a button and just quick save and you're right there. Every game needs that. I, I realized playing all these old school platformers that I just, I despise bad check. I mean, I always have, yeah. but I despise bad checkpoint placement. Why am I not just at the start of that fight? Like, why not? Like, uh, why do I have to replay the whole level again? How I'm, is that the challenge? I'm with you, man. I I've used to be a, like a, an apologist for sometimes mm. bad checkpointing or at least purposeful checkpointing that would throw you back. And I still like that in survival horror games mm-hmm. and when it feels intentional, but sometimes it does just feel like this game is wasting my it's time. It's just like, what will you put up with? Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like, I, once it gets into that mode, well, what will you put up with? I'm like, well, I'll, not you. I'll <laughs> see you later. It's just the gravity circuit is <laughs> just so phenomenal that I'm like, I just need to beat you so I can be free. So which has impressed you the most out of those three? Definitely Gravity Circuit. Um, they've, they've all got different positives, to be honest. Bat Boy is very like Shovel Knight. You played a little bit of Bat Boy. Yeah. Very simplistic, very throwback, kind of 16-bit thing. Um, very charming. It's very, very nice. Bat Boy is just very pick-up-and-play. It's probably the easiest of the three. Um, Moonrider has a full name that I'm blanking on, but I found it because the um, the composer for Gravity Circuit, when I went on his Spotify, I was like, this artwork looks cool. And I Googled the game, and it was like 9 and 10s out of 10. I was like, where's this been all my life? Wow. Oh, since January. And um, so I downloaded that as well. So, But Gravity Circuit is above and beyond. That game is just liquid butter. That thing plays just so well. Hey! So good. Is it going to be better than Blasphemous 2 when that drops it already in a is. month's time? There's nothing <laughs> Blasphemous 2 could do unless it has the ability for you to fire out a photon cannon from your chest that will be anywhere close to gravity. So That's okay. amazing, man. I had like a similar situation with that puppet combo stuff yeah. earlier this year where, you know, I loved Stay Out of the House, obviously, mm-hmm. and then I was like, what else have these done? And then there were just a bunch of games <laughs> that were getting like 9 out of 10s, 10 out of 10s with this beloved sort of fandom around them that I was thinking... Where have you been my whole life? Yeah, same. I love it when that little kind of um, box opens up for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't even say the dude's name either. It's Dominic Ninmark as the composer for Gravity Circuit. Just or if you like T-Lopes, if you like TMNT or, or modern Sonic music, and um, well, Sonic music in general, um, Gravity Circuit is just, it's just a perfect game, Josh. I love yes. it. I wish I had a check, more checkpoints, but it's uh, <laughs> its brilliant. It's definitely hearkening back to a different time. Uh, Moonrider doesn't have any checkpoints. If you die three times, you're back to the start of the entire level again. Oh, no. That's, Horrible. That's not a bit of me. No, I don't like that at all. Um, anything else you've been playing Fear Effect? Yes. Oh, playing? sorry. Yeah, I'll go back to Cold Fear. Um, yes. I've decided, by the way, because we've been so overwhelmed with games. We talked about this in the UBP with their Psy on yes. Friday as well, about how we've just gone from new release to new release to new release, and that they've been really big games. It's been hard to kind of navigate them, or it has been for me. I've decided until August 20th, which gives me roughly a month, okay. I've decided it's the month of free hits. <laughs> I'm not going to keep up with the new releases because there aren't really there aren't any until so, uh, the end of August, and I'm just going to play whatever I fancy. And the first thing I fancied was Cold Fear. It's very good. PlayStation 2. Bought yeah. this ages ago and finally got round to it. Booted up the PlayStation 2, figured out how to use the dodgy HDMI adapter that I got, which is dodgy because it keeps losing like charge. It's it, what? it has like five plugins. It's it's kind of confusing. I got one of them for my N64 to upscale it, and you got it has a separate power pack. I'm like, what do you need? How are you powered? That was what confused me because yeah. I completely forgot I needed that bit. Right. So I wasted about half an hour just thinking it was plugging and playing. Trying to power wondering, a cable. Yeah, wondering what the hell was going on. Uh, but anyway, the point is, I finally got it working. 
in cold fear, man. I know yeah. we've talked about it so many times on the channel about this, about it being this underrated horror. The classic, sleeping dogs of its day. The sleeping dogs <laughs> of its day. And I'm pleased to report that going back to it in 2023, it holds up really well. I pretty much smashed it out in one sitting. No like way. I just played it front to back. It's a relatively short game, about six or seven hours, mm. and and loved it. And I'll get into more in a second, but I know you are a fan of Cold Fear. I love that game so much, to the point where, like, I, well, I love that game so much, but they never made it available anywhere else. And I never got my PS2 back, so I never was able to go back to it. I have such fond memories of playing it. I loved all the physics stuff they did with the way they, because you're on a ship. It's a whole, like, um, infected ship, and you're this one dude. I forgot what you're called, but you're, it's Resident Evil 4 a ship essentially yeah. like on a big tanker um, and I love that the level moves and I remember thinking that at the time the animation on your guy like just moving with the ship the different ways that you saw like pivot so you can, you can keep the shot um, on the enemies and everything was really cool and then different parts of the environment move with you and stuff that was the thing that I just it was just so cool it was such a great concept I remember the run up to it and all the gaming magazines at the time and then getting it and then because we were in the, the glow of Resident Evil 4 just being like well this is perfect this, this yeah. could be a Resident Evil to the point where I feel like um, Capcom doing Resident Evil Revelations was their version of that. Ooh. And I was the, the bit that always let me down about Revelations 1 was that they didn't have the physics-based, the levels moving all the time thing. The level moves, but it's not the same thing. And I was always like, Cold Fear's the one. It is. But I couldn't tell you who developed it or published it. I just remember it being incredible. It's an Ubisoft game. What the hell? Enough, which caught me by surprise, but right. yeah. Like not I, like them to take an established idea and do it again? <laughs> hey? Hey, hey. Hey? Um, back in the day, this was one of my unfinished business games mm. because it was too hard for me when I played it. The checkpoint is everything it was hard can be quite punishing and the enemies hit really hard when they do hit so I never actually got off the the uh, like the ship mm. I didn't realize that that's only half of this game half of it takes place in this kind of oil rig style place in the middle of the sea that is decidedly not a ship but still <laughs> keeps the air uh, sort of I don't sea even know horror. if young me got there I remember I, I remember a level that was like a big it was like a big hangar type thing and there was loads of enemies dotted around it and I remember struggling to get through there over and over again and just dying and but having to get back there over and over yes, again but yeah. I, we're talking about something from 20 years ago this, this is point. it this is it right so that sort of setting still really holds up I'm really pleased to say like I was still kind of blown away by the atmosphere of the game mm. how how wet it is how kind of <laughs> Impressive it is. The cool little enemies that are essentially sort of head crabs that kind of, you know, crawl the way across the ship and then slide down the throats of these dead bodies if you don't pop their heads off. Um, um, it's really creepy. It's really unnerving. The shooting kind of holds up quite well. It's mm. not Resident Evil 4 in terms of its finesse or its um, reliability, mm. I suppose, but it is still very solid. It mixes kind of static camera angles with that kind of more freeform aiming style really, really well, I thought. It has a terrible final boss, like an abysmal final <laughs> boss that I'm definitely <laughs> going to include is it better than oily jack baker at the end of resident evil 7 it is far worse right it's okay. far worse than that because all the way all the way through the game like you don't really get bosses and if mm. you do you just shoot a weak spot mm -hmm. this guy you suddenly have to learn how to dodge you suddenly have to learn a new mini game and it's just the most counterintuitive um, thing in the world. If right. I didn't have the internet playing this growing up, I don't think I would ever have completed it. Like right. I needed to look at a guide to figure out the tactics. I just had had no idea at that point. But mm -hmm. yeah, it is uh, absolutely solid. I definitely recommend it now. And the biggest surprise was that obviously, like you said there, mm. you compare it to Resident Evil 4, naturally it has a lot of similarities. To me, I actually think the game is maybe more indebted to MGS2. Ooh. Not just because of the tanker section at the beginning, but there are so many 
obviously so many similarities between MGS2's mm. tanker and in the ship and cold fear. But even the life bars are the same. Right. The menus are kind of evocative of that. In just the way it's kind of laid out, mm. it reminds me of the opening of MGS2 if it was a survival horror game and it had that Resi 4 influence, which I'm not complaining about. Yeah, it, yeah. It's such a fun time. I pretty much did it in one go. Hey, tell you if uh, Kojima ever went back. Like, obviously, he's done bits of horror and Death Stranding and like there was that project with Gamer that got canned or whatever. But like, if he did a third-person survival horror, that would be sick. I would. It'd be a good definitely time. Definitely play that. Tell, tell me you, about Fear Effect. Yeah, I was about to jump into that. Do it now. Fear Effect is not good. It's not a good game. <laughs> And I tried so, warning you. you oh, here's the thing. For anyone who, well, oh. no one will know the backstory to no. this because we haven't talked about it yet. But no. one day, me and Scott went to the CEX that's close to where we work. Yeah, and it's a video wanted, game shop for it's the a, global listeners. That's right, secondhand video game shop. Yeah. And you wanted to get a game. You went and got Octopath Traveler 2. I did. And while you were looking for that, I was just looking at the PlayStation 1 games and noticed a game called Fear Effect that had four discs and was tank controls, and it was a tenner. You went, watch that, and I was like, you know what Fear Effect is? And, you're like, I'm gonna, and you bought immediately. I've never seen you buy anything immediately. This is an insight into my brain. Yeah. This is how it works. This is how I get on games like Immortality and Thymesia. So yeah, it yeah. just like sort of takes my fancy, and then I've got to know what it is. So Fear Effect, <laughs> I had no idea what this thing was. You need to put that train one. Sorry, on PS1, there was a the one that was on the train. I'm almost definitely going to describe it because it was something, it was like on the train. Go on. And it's like, it's a tank-based survival horror, like Tom Clancy style thing that was on PS1 and it was, it's called like Stop the Train or something. Oh, I want to play that right I'll now I'll find well. it for you. But Fear like, Effect yeah. is kind of a write-off. It's yeah, like yeah. this, at, at, at the time, I guess, four-disc, lushly um, cut-scened, tank-controlled action game. Chase that the is, Express. Chase the Express. Yes. I will get that. That um, is cel-shaded in nature, so a lot of the graphics like kind of hold up today. Like A lot of the static camera angles that you get that frame the scenes look really good. <laughs> it's just too punishing, I find, right. for a tank-controlled video game because that kind of control works in a survival horror game when you've mm -hmm. got slow enemies. It doesn't work for me when you've got enemies shooting at you and you've got this <laughs> terribly clunky dodge roll that you can use to dodge through bullets. Uh -huh. It's unreliable. You don't know where you're aiming. It's dreadful. And I'm stuck at the very first boss in the game. <laughs> it's not worth your time. It's not worth my time, man. The first boss How in the game. How much did you pay for it again? Tenner. A tenner. Ten Jesus. pounds. Ten British pounds. You could have had Final Fantasy for that. I could, I could, I could have had anything. I could have had like ten Gregs for that. <laughs> you could. You know? Um, but the first boss is so bad because um, it's too punishing. Because you can't heal in the game. Or at mm. least you can't at this moment in time <clears> with right. conventional med kits. I looked online, and apparently the healing only works when you get to certain checkpoints or defeat certain enemies. So I'm going into this first boss with one HP. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I get hit once, I'm dead. Yeah. And I tried about 10 times last night, thought, no. no. And now I think my fear effect journey may have come to an end. <laughs> I didn't. I, I the whole part of this was baffling. You've been fascinated by it, and um, wanting to buy it, buying it impulsively. There was. It's been poetic the entire way through. It looked like Signalis. That's what got me in. You know, yeah. that kind of cel shaded, um, sort of survival horror tile yeah, type yeah. video game. And I thought, in my quest to love that genre to its fullest extent, <laughs> I kind of want to play everything that I've missed. I want to yeah. go back and play the old Evil Dead games. I want to go back and play the old Resident Evil rip-offs that I never touched you mean, or never finished. You mean tank control horror? Yes. How are you going to play the, are you going to play the original Alone in the Dark? Yes. How far back are you going to go? Literally, that's what I want to play. Okay. When Alone in the Dark 
um, comes out, like the reboot of mm. it comes out in October. Mm. I want to go back through some of those. That I original wanna, one is a bonfire. I want to play the original, and I want to play the one that came out on Xbox 360. Oh, I God. have a sneaky suspicion that I might end up loving that one. I was obsessed with it back in the day, but right. I never got it because everyone told me it was bad. It and is. I played the demo over and over again, and I don't know why I didn't <laughs> listen to my gut back then. I wasn't confident enough in my own tastes, uh-huh. but now I reckon I'm going to have a good time with I it. I remember two things. I remember renting Alone in the Dark, uh, that 2009 one or whatever it was, um, and the guy being astonished that I wanted to rent it. I remember that guy's face when I wanted to rent it. Um, and two, you'd be able to pull off the Edward Combe coat. If, if this, oh yeah, you would yeah. like the hair. You'd look awesome. Yeah, if you, if, this, know, if all of this results in you wearing a nice long coat, I think <laughs> that'd be very nice indeed. I used to always want a long coat back yeah, in the day. Matrix style. I could never pull it off. Nah, me neither. It's hey, a yeah. big long leather coat. I'm going to the gym now. You know, yeah. maybe I'll be able to pull it off soon. You know, <laughs> getting uh, get coat shape. Yes. Um, we should talk about because I already mentioned Gravity Circuit. That's what I've been playing alongside. Literally just Final Fantasies. The next thing on my radar is uh, Sea of Stars, which is another RPG. And then I still need to play Octopath Traveler between now and then. But I've got two more Final fantasies to do so and um, we'll talk about some gaming news stuff um sony's project q has leaked uh, over on the youtube channel zuby tech um i just wrote down the specs of this thing i think this thing looks uh, insulting like a like a weird like a like if you told me that like a, a criminal had hacked this together to try and fool the populace it would be exactly the same design i think it looks abysmal i don't get this at all it I looks really horrible don't. anyway the um super quick though to run down the specs of this thing if you don't know um it's an 8 inch 1080p lcd display it goes up to 60 fps and it only streams from playstation 5 right now and i guess this person will slowly figure this stuff out the person who's got their hands on it on the zuby tech channel um is there any other use for this thing it doesn't seem like it has any storage capabilities it's just a sc- it's just a streaming tablet it's nothing yeah. to it and they want to charge and um, the rumored price for it is between 200 and 300 dollars Unbelievable, Josh. They've always been upfront about this. I don't think uh, this is like a swindle left field thing. You know, they came out and they said that it's going to be the streaming device. It's got like, you know, it's essentially a dual sense controller. It is literally that. With a big screen yeah. in the middle. And for me, yeah, that's not the most visually appealing thing, <sighs> but I think it works. You know, the dual sense <laughs> is a comfortable controller True. and it's a robust and satisfying controller because obviously you have the haptics, you have the triggers and all of that jazz. To me, I've never been able to fully vibe with the kind of of controllers that you get on these. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates 
fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Handhelds, you know, mm. whether it was the PSP or even the Nintendo Switch, which I like a lot, mm. it's not ideal. The Vita is very nice for me. Mm. The Vita is probably one of the better yeah. ones, but even that, I don't love it. Whereas if you just take the controller I do love <laughs> and whack a screen in the middle, no. I don't see the problem with that. Controller, oh. good. Screen, good. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the meat shepherd's pie of the gaming world. Yeah. It's uh, the meat, the custard shepherd's pie. The um. I just I can't get it. I can't get it. I can't believe how much money they have, how much like PlayStation matters, and how this is the design they've gone with. Where it is just take any any tablet and just slice a controller off and bolt it on the side. Now that we're seeing it in motion, it is literally that. The only thing that like gets around that that's what they've done is that the back panel is it's a new back panel yeah. that like holds it all together. But it's like oh my god, it looks cheap AF. It looks like you something reckon? you get from a market. Ah oh, man, I'd like I, like I said, I don't think it looks. Absolutely gorgeous, but mm. I don't know what else I would have personally wanted. Well, that's like, on them to. That's not for you to say necessarily. Or me, it's they. They need to wow us. Like that's the whole thing. Like if this is their, that's the best design you can come up with for a tablet-based handheld. It's terrible. I'd always take like usability over visuals in terms of like handhelds. Like and like I said, I don't know how you innovate on the DualSense controller itself. Mm. To make something more comfortable. No, than no, no. That. It's, it's not that. It's like you still have, you still maintain the form factor for the most part. Like obviously, there's the feel of that thing in your hands. Which, if we're talking about like the part of the controller you hold, it's the sides of the dual sense. Yeah. You can have that for the sides of the tablet. It's right. just about designing a more slick form factor that brings it all <laughs> together. That doesn't just look like you Tears of the Kingdom did. Like it looks like they sliced a thing and bolted it and went, yeah, that's that. <laughs> it does look. It like looks that. terrible. Oh, for the it. money as well. Like oh my god, the price. The price is kind of crazy, but. And he can only stream. That's it. And you no, can do that right now. You can't. Well, you can, but not on like a lovely tablet. With you like, totally can. No, but I mean in this way, like in a way that is. But you just nice you just use. you'd hold a dual sense. It would pair with the tablet. It pairs with the PS5. You want to do remote play? Yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah, but where am I putting the tablet? Is the question? Just on the desk. Well, I might as well play on the telly. In the, in <laughs> well, that's that what way. I would say. But I mean, <laughs> and this proper book up. This is something I'd be taken to a hotel. You know, it's something I'd be maybe taken on a train. Mm. It's something I would be taken to work. But you wouldn't be taken on the train because it doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's, that's the, the issue. thing, right? That's the issue, right? It's nuts. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Can you stream games in that way, or do you have to be next to a? Well, I guess that's the thing. We don't know the specifics yet. They've just said that it's remote, like remote play only. So I guess if you had a strong enough Wi-Fi, yeah. then you could beam. You'd still have lag and everything, but you could yeah. beam something in. That's but it's, my... just, it's just the fact that they they don't want to fully um, fight the switch. They don't want to do a new Vitas. They've just done this weird, like, just looks at the end of a Friday yeah. chuck together thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want the thing because it's streaming only. Like, <laughs> if I'm going to stream video games. At a push, it'll be the PS3 games that are currently mm. on PlayStation now, and mm. I'll be doing that via my console. 
if it had any kind of storage, if it had any way to play games natively or mm. maybe download games, I think I would definitely jump in because the idea of playing those games on the go on a big screen with a dual sense to me is very appealing. Mm. That would personally make my Switch obsolete because the screen would be better. <sighs> what the, about Mario the Wonder? controls would be better. Nah, screw that, man. Um, but unfortunately, it's not. I'm interested to see its functionality. Can you take it on the train? Can you take it to hotels and like stream things from the cloud? I, I assume you have to. I'm, I'm assuming they've yes. got to have that in there. I think Just it's whether exactly... or not it works or not is mm-hmm. going to be the big question. I think for that money. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think that's the thing. I don't know what you're charging for. Like, it's what are you charging for? It's a 1080p screen. It's not like it's this 4K thing or anything. I mean, there's a the whole thing with retina displays, the whole, like, the distance between your eye and the tablet, how that makes up the distance. There's only so much that you can see or whatever. Um, I just I just can't believe this is... I mean, we knew this is what they were going for because that's what the original stuff was that leaked. But now seeing it in the wild, it runs an Android. It seems like it runs Android OS as well. Um, some sort of, like, weird bridge between the PS5 OS, their, their custom stuff. Um, and everything else, but I just, I just look so cheap. It just looks <laughs> so bad. Like I said, if you told me you got it from a market, I would believe you. Yeah. Um, someone who just hacked a controller in half. Um, but we'll see. That thing I think is uh, launching later this year. Um, but it, it just it, that thing's a write off to me. <laughs> like if I if I want to stream a PlayStation game like that badly, yeah. then I'm not going to pay the money. This money, I'll, I will just put it on a phone and play with a controller. Yeah. Um, like right. if I wanted to do that, like there are plenty. Um, phone holding devices that you can just put on a controller just holds the, the phone right above your controller and just play like that. You know my issue with this has always been screen size. Like but it's, it's close though. Nah, just hold it there if you need to. Nah, it doesn't work. It didn't work for the PlayStation Portable. It didn't work for the PS Vita for me. The Switch only worked because it was way bigger than those. And even mm. now, I have trouble going to the Switch because it's so small from what I want and uh, the screen itself isn't great unless you've got an OLED in my opinion so I feel like I'm losing that quality I'm I want the biggest screen possible right. in a way that isn't kind of ridiculous and to me I look at this and I think <laughs> like I said screen big good dual sense good you know yeah. I can't help but get away from that I just I hate them doing the lowest effort thing possible and it, and it just it's like yeah I guess we'll do this mm. like just here's, we're not gonna we're not gonna commit to a level of R&D that would make a whole new thing that makes you go oh that thing looks really cool and sleek and must have it looks like exactly what they described in the most bare bones way possible yeah. and I just part of me just hates that I'm just like put the effort in boys if you can actually do this nah, fair. but uh, but it depends and also I'm the biggest Sony Vita fan there is and that's your benchmark so it's like going from that slick the Vita is to this ramshackle thing. (laughs) Um, Anyway, speaking of ramshackle things and the PlayStation 5 Pro is being talked about again over on key2gaming.com saying that according to their uh, sources, it is in development. It's called Project Trinity. And they mention, um, just as like a neat little thing here, that Sony have used Matrix names for quite some time. Something we didn't realize at all, even though it's been staring us in the face as Matrix fans. Um, The PlayStation 4 Pro's code name was Neo and the PlayStation VR's was Morpheus. And now the PlayStation 5 Pro is uh, Trinity. The whole thing's called Project Trinity. This article retweeted by Tom Henderson over on Insider Gaming, who is uh, who has in himself written up stuff about the PlayStation Five Pro. Anyway, it's more just a talking point. Do you want a, Do you want one? Do you no. want a PlayStation Five Pro? No, I don't. I don't Me need either. one yet. I will happily embrace one, maybe in a few years' time. But to me, none of the big game companies have delivered a game that. I think, even gets close to etching the power out of the regular PS5. Like, where are these Unreal 5 games that Mm. are supposedly going to do Mm. that? So far, we've had great-looking games. We've had great PlayStation 5 exclusives, Mm. but nothing, to me, that makes it feel like the original console was tapped out in a way that I genuinely did feel about the PlayStation 4 back in the day because that came out, and even at launch, you know, that and the Xbox One were underpowered, and Mm -hmm. it felt like they had a limit on them. 
earlier than the PlayStation 5, which has only, as of this year, become widely available anywhere. Mm -hmm. I think it's too soon, but then, who knows, they might sit in it for a little bit and then release it. So weird, man. Like, I get, like, the the sort of hardware realities of you put a system out, you're constantly refining, you find ways to make components smaller, and and whatever else you iterate, you you get a smaller PS5. And I guess one of the only negatives of the PlayStation 5, um, from a casual point of view, is the size of it. It is, like, the overbearing, ridiculous nature of it. Maybe you get a more smaller one and that just makes that work um but yeah i agree like we're yet to see anything really i mean my mind goes to things like it's it's the instant loading stuff it's things where i'm surprised by like the raw guts of the hardware doing something as opposed to just a hyper detailed game because we had that we've had them for years kind of thing you can make something look, look more lifelike but i personally am more impressed by a whole realm in final fantasy loading instantly mm. or like um ratchet and clank you hit that one the crystal that level with the crystals you hit that the whole thing renders immediately stuff like that i need a game that's built around that i need something that fundamentally wouldn't work on the previous system and so until they have that and then we all get sick of them i don't <laughs> need the pro like, it's one of those things where i just think that they'll do it because they tapped into the the pro sort of branding with the ps4 and i think they barely talked about that thing's sales numbers yeah. but assumedly it's enough where depending on the hardware cost you almost might as well just put the pro thing out there's enough elite gamers who will buy everything genuinely like me I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm all for more options in gaming as well and if you release a playstation 5 pro Mm. at the same price point or maybe slightly higher than what the PS5 is going for now. Mm. And then you reduce the price of the regular PlayStation 5, which Mm. seems like it is happening kind of imminently as they kind of change some of the components or make that production more efficient. Then I'm like, sure, you know, you bring this price down, you bring that barrier of entry down and you give people a quote-unquote premium device that they can opt into Mm. or not. To me, this time around, I'm not just going to jump in in the same way that I did the PlayStation 4 Pro. The proof will be in the pudding, Mm. but I do think that if The Last of Us Part 3 comes out in 2027, (laughs) I'll be getting a PlayStation 5 Pro for that. Sadly, I just, I know myself too well. Me too. I wonder, I mean, I know you as well. I will not be doing that, but I wonder, I'll get one day one. I wonder (laughs) what, um, what they could possibly do. Like, because if I think about, you know, uh, glass ceilings that we're hitting in the industry, it's it's quality modes versus performance modes. It's that idea that you can't just make, well, assumedly you can't just make whatever the, the vision is for this game. But I feel like the issues with, the industry are way bigger than that. Like it's 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 crunch. It's it's lack of focus over time. It's whatever it is. It's all these wider issues that aren't giving you the generation's best games. Like it's um I think that's it's, that's something that a, a piece of hardware is not going to solve. If anything, it'll just mean that those um, goals they're trying to hit are even more exorbitant and ridiculous. Yeah, and you'll be. get even more broken games. <sighs> Oh, that's the headline, isn't it? The PS5 Pro will make for more (laughs) broken games. I love that. I would be amazed if it solves any of the issues. I mean, like, yeah, I guess it would help with a... You would assume that it would help with something like Jedi Survivor, where we're talking about raw optimization. Maybe there's something on the hardware side that can help with optimization or whatever, but I... I just don't even think we need this at all. Like, no. I feel like the generation was pushed back by almost three years because of the pandemic. So I would delay this by three years. Like, I would almost, we pretty much hit pause on life for three years. And then yeah. it's like, if we're resuming it now, then you just sort of pretend the PS5 just launched. Hey, by the way, we've got God of War and Horizon. There's launch games. Isn't that good? And then go from there. Yeah. Because nothing happened for the first few years. No, I agree with that. And that's kind of why I why, why I think it's too soon for mm. it, because it does feel like the generation is still starting to only kick in now because the PS, PS4 Pro was 2016 I think or 2017 20 I think it oh good question it's about three or four years yeah, after the, years. so yeah so we're, we're about to hit that so I guess they're just trying to hit that cadence again but it's just like no one wants this or is ready it'll still sell to a degree 
but it just feels like unless you can you know put the proof in the pudding with the games then yeah. what's the point this is it like you could say nobody wants it mm. but i would say maybe the same was true for the playstation 4 pro and i do think it's a case I of i did back then yeah, yeah if if they come in and they price it too ridiculously and it's way more than a PS5 mm. now. I don't think it'll sell, but I do genu- genuinely think if they knock the PS5 down and make this like the the price point that that currently has, mm-hmm. then I don't think anyone would kind of bat an eyelid because it's kind of a win-win. If they yeah. want to ignore the Pro, fine, get the PlayStation 5 original for a lower price, you know? It's, yeah. it, it does make business sense from that standpoint, I think, mm. just in terms of does the market want this or... I think that's kind of different to will the market accept this. That's true. And I think there is, it's just, I think that's sort of the console side of it as well, where like uh, pro systems or like incremental systems is more of a PC thing. Like get the latest graphics card. There's one every few years or whatever it is. And um, for me, the only sell on a console side is like, this is the system that just makes you not have to think about that stuff. Like you just get to, you get to max everything out, all the sliders, all the, all the toggles and um, get the best version of that game. And you just play. That was the only reason I ever got a PlayStation 4 Pro because the original PS4, like you said, was struggling and was hitting things at 30 where I could be playing them at 60 um, and little things like that. But I was like, I just don't want to think about any of this <laughs> and I'll pay for the problem to go away if I need to. Um, and I hate that. That's the reality of gaming. It is. But I just, yeah. like, on a, in a console space, that's sort of like middle ground of like, it's not PC sliders. It's not the underpowered stuff. It's the middle ground. Um, I will pay for a problem to go away so I can just play the game. I, I, think, I hate having to think about all this stuff. <laughs> I, did, I honestly despise it. It's horrible for you because, like, that's the future, isn't it? Like, oh, as we get... I'll just get a PC and shoot myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've already got a Steam Deck, so there you go. Uh, halfway there. As we get into, like, these new generations, those sliders are becoming more common in the console <sighs> space, and I like that. It gives me more options over my games, but, you know, if you... If you Four wrong consoles, options and one right option. No, no. Horrible. No, it's not true. It is. It's not true. It's not true. It is. Um, but, you know, obviously there's a bunch of people who do come to consoles for that ease. Mm. But I don't feel like we've had the console dream for about 13 years, you know? <laughs> I think the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One really killed off the dream mm. of the console being this plug-in-and-play thing. I think once they introduced game installs and game updates, that dream was dead, and we've only gotten more oh, in the I PC disagree. realm since then. But I can't remember the, like, the conversations we were having a decade ago when we were talking about, oh, isn't it horrible that if a kid gets a PlayStation 4 at Christmas, they'll spend that Christmas morning installing, installing games and updating <laughs> games rather than just playing like we used to. But we always yeah. have this kind of rose-tinted view, mm-hmm. and to me that's indicative, in my view, of consoles moving towards the... PC space for the past it is. however many years. It is. I mean that yeah, installation times I think are are meaningfully different from once the game is ready to go and you hit you hit start, then having to faff with stuff. Like just I think that's that's the crux for me, because it's like we can put up with installation times. We've had them for a long time, even on the three sixty or whatever it is. Um, file sizes take longer or whatever but I, there's just something about that extra roadblock of like and then starting the game and it moving and you're doing the first level going oh well I guess that look that probably could look better I should probably go retweak the brightness again and you restart it again I, oh god just, I, I could punch the wall I hate it here's the thing right I genuinely think that's always been a part of console gaming to a degree especially right. in terms of the base of like brightness and whatnot. <laughs> is it a case of in a way, I know we've definitely gotten more sliders, mm. but maybe like us as gamers have become more aware of that stuff. Like, yeah. funnily enough, going through Cold Fear, mm. like that game doesn't have a, even a brightness slider. <laughs> you know what I mean? It has no display options Perfect. whatsoever. Actually, no, Cold well, because, Fear does. Fear effect didn't, sorry. Right. But because still. the age-old assumption was that you did all of that on your TV. Like, uh, yeah. all back in the day, most games or whatever back in the day would just put something on screen and tell you to calibrate your TV to that thing. 
And so, like, obviously, that's kind of changed. HDRs have changed it massively as well. Yeah. Um, but, like, I just want the... We're talking about AI doing everything for us. Can you just sort my TV out? Like, I just... Can I, I just want to play the games. I just hey, play the games. we've talked a lot about Sony here, but yeah. I kind of want to throw the ball in your court as to what this means for Microsoft, because a few weeks ago, we hmm. um, got the story from... I can't remember who exactly it was from Digital Foundry, but it was yeah. a Digital Foundry podcast mm-hmm. where they said they were informed that the Xbox Series X was already their yeah. mid-gen refresh. So you can tell. You, well, you can tell. Yeah, they don't yeah. make anything for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed up for the Series S. My question is, do they stick with that line of thinking or does, does, does the release of the PlayStation 5 Pro prompt them to rethink those plans and say, no, we have an actual mid-fresh, <laughs> uh, mid-gen refresh on the way? I don't think they can risk doing a third unit. I think that they wait for the PlayStation 5 Pro specs and then they just point at the Series X yeah. and just go, we've already got one of them. Yeah. Um, because it'll depend what the, if there's anything that the Series X can do and um, that the PlayStation 5 currently can't. That's uh, oh, the, the weird legal side of it tends to mandate feature parity or whatever performance parity anyway. Um, especially, and even on the Xbox side, between Series S and X. So they'd, they'd have to break all that stuff for like the next gen, for the next next system to be so much you know, demonstrably better. It would go against their whole sort of like push that like mm-hmm. um, we want everything available everywhere, but we're also going to sell you the best system ever. And then, but it's what you're just paying for frame rates. Like yes. you're paying for maybe a higher resolution or something because the Series S is going to super sample everything anyway. That thing, I hate everything, but that thing on the Digital Foundry when they were like kind of said that and it was like, oh, that makes everything make sense because if you just think of the Series S as the main console and the X as the deluxe optional one, not the one they led with when they revealed the damn thing, um, but that makes everything make sense. And yeah. it's like, why is there nothing on Series X? Because it's optional. <laughs> because I'm embracing slightly mm. this PC culture. I'm at a point where I probably would pay for frame rates and resolution. I did last generation, and I will this generation. It's too soon right now, mm. but if they if both consoles did bring out these refreshes, that's I'd the death for, of console gaming. I'd that's wait that for thing. a game, mm-hmm. and then I would buy into it mm-hmm. for um, that particular game that I was really looking forward to, that I wanted to play with the highest frame rate and mm-hmm. the highest resolution. And that's the what they want. Sliders, like you mentioned, yeah, that. that's that's what they want. That's the PC space. Like get a get a different graphics card every few years. Like they, if they could tighten that up and sell you a, a PlayStation Five like update chip every year and it's four hundred quid, like yeah. they they'd love that. Especially Jim Ryan would. Um, yeah, I feel like that's that is the road. Um, but it's I think it affects um, actual product turnaround, pro- um, um, project turnaround too much for that to be crunched even faster. I feel like we're struggling to get... I mean, how many, like, on-fire games has there been this year? There's been some great stuff, but things like Redfall are still absolutely abysmal. Jedi Survivor couldn't run for two months. Like, it's stuff like that where I'm like, it needs to be pristine before you start saying, like, oh, actually, there's an extra tier. You can't even hit your base tier. It does, and I kind of wonder whose fault that is. Mm -hmm. Like, not to throw fault at the developers or anything like that. It's no. probably the people who were, like you said, crunching these release windows mm-hmm. and you know not giving the team more time. But I do think it's funny that we've had a lot of cross-gen releases that have had you know spotty releases depending on which system you're playing it on. Mm-hmm. But we've also had a lot of current-gen exclusives that haven't hit the mark. Like you said, Jedi Survivor and Gotham Knights mm-hmm. last year and Redfall this year. Um, and it's like, where's the issue here? Because it's it actually can't mean it's developing for a bunch of different SKUs because there's only a couple and there's only three then yeah. as opposed to like the five or six that you'd be developing if you were making a cross-chain game. Like, where's the issue? Where's the bug? What's going on? Yeah, well, that also means that you can't fundamentally have a feature that would be integral to gameplay or level design or anything like that because it has to work on this little family of systems which can fundamentally only be differentiated by resolution or frame rate. 
you couldn't have a, a level type that was only available in the Series X or, or whatever the new system is or the PlayStation 5 Pro or whatever. So it's it's we're already there. You're already paying for resolution jumps. Oh, absolutely. It's the most boring future for a console industry possible. Oh. I hate it. To me, oh, man, see, it is. It's, it's boring. It's just like rote numbers at the end of the day. But... I don't mind it because of what you just mentioned there. Mm. If they did release something that was so powerful, it would make the previous ones obsolete. That's when I would get my backup a bit because right. I'd be thinking it's only been three three years. It's only been four years. People have bought in on the promise of these base systems mm-hmm. and you haven't delivered on that yet. To me, the kind of compromise is, well, we'll give you something a bit more powerful, but not powerful enough to make it everything you've just invested in useless and yeah. feel redundant, you know? So That's it's, definitely the Microsoft promise. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you said, it's a hard line to walk, but it, it almost invalidates itself. Like, we want you to pay 300 plus pounds slash dollars for this new system, but it fundamentally can't give you anything the old systems can't. But we also need to sell you a premium price. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's it's, it's ha- so dumb. It is dumb. And, and I'm, I'm a sucker because I feel like this has been so normalized in the tech industry that I don't oh, yeah. bat an eyelid at it. You know what I mean? Well, that like, was the conversation when the PlayStation 4 was coming out. It was yeah. like, oh, we can't let this be the norm because they'll just do it every three or four years and then we're here. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's the... They Sony never really talked about their PlayStation 4 Pro sales compared to PlayStation 4 because it was always easier to say PlayStation 4 was the highest selling system after PS2. So like it was always that thing. It was like if there's enough of an audience there, they'll just keep doing it. And there's enough of an assumption from the the base peasant owners like us to go like, I wonder if I'd get the new one if it would play better. Yeah. I wonder if it would actually solve that frame rate issue. I wonder if it would solve that resolution issue or whatever. Um, and there's enough momentum there to just keep taking it over. And then you'll get a PS6 and a PS6 Pro and yeah. whatever else. And it's, um, yeah, like, it's that thing. It is the industry, like, re-embracing the tech side. Like, E3 started as a tech convention or whatever you want to say. Like, there's enough tech in there. Absolutely. Go back to that. But I, I don't want that. Personally, I'm okay with that. because it's I always know if the games are there. Even, the games on there. Even without that, mm. I don't mind because it won't affect me. You know what I mean? It like, will for 300 quid out of your pocket. No, but I won't buy it if it's not worth it. That's what I mean. If it's right. always going to be an option and they are definitely positioning it positioning it as an option, Mm. then the ball is always going to be my court. And I don't need to buy into it if I don't want to and they don't give me reason to. But then they'll... That's a better place to be than, like I said, completely splitting the fan base and saying, if you need to... If you want to play The Last of Us Mm. 6, unfortunately, it's PS5 Pro only, you know? Well, that's the thing, right? Because then on the project side, on the the scope side, you aim as high as possible. That's always the thing in game design. You aim as high as possible and then you make it fit the consoles or whatever and you trim the features. You trim the things out to make it work, whether that be frame rate or even entire levels or whatever. You would never get that awesome game that makes the most of the the actual hardware on the market because it would always still have to work for the lowest system on the market. I'd disagree in terms of what we're talking about in terms of specs, in terms of mm. frame rate, in terms of resolution, because that's kind of what they do anyway. Like they That's what I mean. That's my problem. Ah, right. Like they're yeah. not making something that is fundamentally built on the SSD that instantly loads, that gives you level design, whatever, because it has to work on the Series S or whatever the other thing is. It's Series S, but I think PlayStation doesn't have that issue, you know, with the PlayStation 5 Pro specifically. Like mm-hmm. both of them are going to have an SSD. Both of them are going to have the same, same kind of core technology. So mm-hmm. I think... PlayStation definitely fares better with this stuff than it's better. Xbox, which, you know, the S is kind of more underpowered in a mm. way that I think does shackle games. Yeah, I mean, various their, game devs have talked about that. Totally stuff. in their mm. scope. But I think with the PlayStation 5 Pro, it's so it could be so incremental that it is just kind of like how people develop now, which is usually they develop for PC, they aim as high yeah. as they can, and then they bring it down for <laughs> um, consoles. It's just that, hopefully, like with the PS4 Pro, the amount they have to bring it down to hit the Pro... Um, makes it more glamorous and makes it the premium version of that game. And that's something that I'm personally fine with because then 
if you don't care about frame rate, if you don't care about resolution, you can just ignore it. If you do care about that stuff, it's a nice little bonus. It's a nice little extra. Yeah, I guess it's just like the the simplified version of this is the most appealing, which is the like you have a set, you had you have hardware specs, you are using them to make something. Um, the something you're making is then affected by the other systems on the market, and, and even within that same console family. So you then have to sacrifice the vision, whatever that vision is. I have no idea, but I want to see it. Yeah. We, we so far we talk about like the current the current generation hasn't had anything that's like blown you away in terms of like next gen features or whatever. That would be that vision thing, and if they can't hit that now, then they almost never will because they'll always be held back by supporting the previous systems. I'd push back against that from my point of view, just because I don't think that's going to happen on the PlayStation side of things mm. because I don't think the jump is going to be that radical where the right. vision has to. Change to accommodate the PS5. Like that never happened with the PlayStation 4 Pro and the original PlayStation no. 4. Like they managed to get them running in various states, but I never felt like the PlayStation 4 was like holding back the potential of that generation mm. in my eyes. Mm. Like I said, I would. No, view not, that. not the Pro, yeah. Yeah, I would view that on the Xbox side with the S, but I think on PlayStation side, with its uh, two different systems that it might end up having, mm. I don't. I personally don't think we'll ever get to that position where the visions for those games are getting dragged down because you need to develop for a pro and a base version. Because right. I don't think the gulf in quality or technology is going to be that big where they kind of feel shackled by the base. Yeah, thing, and it's, it, it, it does like fundamentally make it a, a luxury optional purchase, like you said. It's just that I think that is then a bit of a shame because yeah. then why are we not aiming that high? Why are you not maximizing the artistic output of the, the creatives? Like, you know, what... Well, I just want, that's the thing. It's, we never know what they're going to make until they put it in front of us. But I'm, I'm just, I'm curious. What can you guys do with this hardware? And if I view that as a limitation, having to cross develop, like it, mm. it just kind of is. Like there was a, there is a big list of the differences um, in various games on Pro versus regular PlayStation 4. And even if it was as small as, I remember Abzu, the, um, the game from the art director of Journey, has uh, more fish on screen when you're on PlayStation 4 Pro. And I said, well, that would affect how it feels to swim through that game. Of course. Something like that. Oh, absolutely. But to me, that doesn't affect the vision of the original game. No, right, but know? it's just that idea of trying to, the console promise, they're trying to get the optimum version of something. Like, or right. trying to get the, the, the instant gratification version of something that has all the bells and whistles and, and is satisfying across the board without feeling like you're missing out on something because you didn't get the, the extra little uh, tweak to the, the extra system. What's funny, I think, and not to go around in circles, but uh, I think that's always been part of the console space mm. because while it might have never been the case within console families, I think, the two big consoles in terms of going head-to-head -head on specs, you know, the Xbox and the PlayStation, have always traded in that. Yeah. I've always had a certain element when I've only had one machine over the other of, is this the best version of the game? Oh, or I Google has, that every time anything comes up. Uh, that's it, right? So, or has the Xbox already... Um, oh, has the Xbox or the PlayStation, which one's got the edge? Which version has got the edge? So to me, that kind of level of comparing and... Uh, the wonder of whether you're getting the best version of a specific game has always been part of console gaming to me. So that would maybe be more pronounced with these families, but mm -hmm. it, it would never be a... It wouldn't invalidate the dream because... I think the, the, that dream has always been invalidated by virtue of having two machines going at, to war. Yeah, we might um, end up doing like a whole pot. We'll probably will do more stuff on it as more details come out about it. But that having to choose between them and find the optimum one—that's the thing that I just I just want to be done with. That's the that's the problem that I'm paying to go away. That's the problem that they're offering to be paid away by giving you a pro system. So don't worry about figuring out what's best. It's this system. And so then it's like a buyer's remorse type thing because it's like they need to do right by the people who are investing in those systems, which comes back to the games that we have on the generation so far. Mm. And it's like, if you're going to do a pro thing, then I'll probably pay the money because I hate thinking about this stuff. And I just want the best version of that game. 
Um, but then it comes back to the games and the actual games that we're playing and, the, and what they're designed for. So I think it all kind of connects. Um, but it's it is paying to make a problem go away. Uh, yeah, and like yeah, like the, the, the amount of the fact that Digital Foundry has exploded yeah. is indicative of how like much we have to make all these decisions and research resolutions and zoom in and look at these different things and figure out the best use of your time. I think like I've said that so much. I think you know he does think what a, what a redundant <laughs> phrase to say on a podcast. Of course, in my I opinion, think this in my opinion, um, with. What you just mentioned there, I don't think throwing money at the problem will ever make that problem go away. Right. Just because of how the console industry is built. I was just saying, not if the industry is like this now. Abs- well, yeah. even before then, like mm. I said, with the, with the rivalry that's going on, even if you got a PlayStation 5 Pro mm. and it had specs on paper better than the Xbox Series X, even then there's no guarantee that the games will run better on it versus... The Xbox Series X, if, no. if, the, if they're more optimized for the Xbox. And I think that's always going to be inherent to gaming. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. No. I'm just saying that, to me, is why I never view it as, I'm going to throw money at this problem for that problem to go away. Because even if you've got the world's most powerful console, it doesn't guarantee crap. It doesn't guarantee that oh, you're no. getting the world's most powerful games. Because if they're better optimized somewhere else... They're better optimized well, somewhere else. Yeah, that's what I meant about the um, the issues are bigger. They're more project-based. They're more um, design-based or whatever it is. But there's an assumption that if you give a set of game developers in particular a set of specs, they can aim for them yeah. as opposed to giving them multiple sets of specs and how that affects the thing that they're trying to build. Um, and thinking back to the PlayStation 2 era, the 360 era, like there were specific sets of specs. There was like specific stuff to aim for. It wasn't there was like three different versions of the 360. You're right. You're right. But oh man, well, there was, but they didn't I, change in terms of the, yeah, uh, the GPU. I, I know I'm going around in, I know I'm going around in circles, <laughs> but you mentioned that, and I just can't help but point out something like Resident Evil 4, which, you know, kind of looked like crap on PlayStation 2 right. compared to the GameCube version, which was way crisper, or the PC version, which was notoriously a bad part. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of find myself pushing back against that argument, because I'm like, this has always been the case where you've been comparing this stuff and you've been wanting the best version of it. And yes, the pro kind of phenomenon has exacerbated that, but the idea of this version is less good than this version, which is better than this version, and oh my God, I'm having like the fear of missing out or buyer's remorse. (laughs) That To me, that's always been integral to the console experience. If uh, Capcom were designing Resident Evil 4 for all those systems at once, you wouldn't have got Resident Evil 4. Like the fact that they they made it for GameCube and then they made a version for PlayStation Two and then it like it span off and that kind of that's a different thing to me yeah. than like um, than designing it then try to, it feels like Capcom hit their vision of that game hmm. because they had a set of specs to aim for and they were able to execute on it and then they figured out how to put it elsewhere and there were different versions and whatever else but I think yeah I do think that's different to a family of consoles and then having an idea for a game. And then sort of aiming to put it on various different tiers within that family of systems at the same time. Right, okay. I think that will be the distinction for me in that case. I get the distinction. I don't agree with it, but we'd only <laughs> go around the same arguments. I'm a sick, sick man, so it's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will revisit this at some point because there will be various other bits of information for the PlayStation 5 Pro. Maybe by the end of the year, I guess we'll see. Probably. Um, there's more. There's opening night live. There's more various uh, press conferences and stuff to go. Um, but for now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure and happy birthday, Scott Tilford. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you and we'll catch you very soon bye bye goodbye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.